Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Kate McLeod, the co-founder and formulator of her eponymous brand. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm good, Priya. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you, Kate. Where are you right now? Tell me about, I know you kind of formulate your brand and you are based in the Hudson Valley, but are you there right now? I am. I am. I live in Rhinebeck, uh, so about two hours directly north of the city. And our our workshop, we'll get into more of this, I'm sure, soon, is about 10 minutes down the road from my house. So it's probably like a natural source of inspiration, just being in that area, considering the brand is very much known for its sustainable ingredients, its formulations, its connection with nature. Is that right? It feels really good. You know, we moved up here during the pandemic, and I think with all things in life, when it flows and it's really, really easy, you know you've made the right move. Um, And this transition was extremely easy and flowed beautifully, and we have just been so well received by the community up here and very, very honored to be handmade in the Hudson Valley. So Kate, considering this is a beauty and wellness focused podcast, and obviously you do have a beauty and wellness focused brand, you know, what's interesting to me so much about the brand is that you started as a baker and you use that kind of nexus of an idea and that experience to enter the beauty arena. But what was your first memories of beauty? Were you someone who like really enjoyed watching your mom or your grandmother do their makeup or was when you were a teen and reading like magazines and figuring out how to put on eyeliner like were you a beauty girl growing up would you say do you know no one has ever asked me that question and that's so funny (laughs) I love that you did because I've never shared this um I loved my mother's perfume I have always been a scent person scents bring up so much so many memories. I remember my mom had, still does, has a little like glass tray on, you know, the cabinet in her bedroom. I think I, I think this is a perfume. Oh my goodness, if I like Shalimar. I remember being an old school one that I would like, you know, smell before my mom and dad went out to dinner. And that was, you know, they were smell was like she had an everyday smell. She had a fancy smell. That's my first memory of beauty. So I wasn't really a beauty person in high school. I really had my head down and in the books. And that didn't change throughout college. I was I was not really the girl who was always checking out what was new in Sephora. And this all came about looking back extremely organically. One thing leads to another. Um, you mentioned, you know, I was a pastry chef. And that is correct. That actually wasn't my first career. I started in finance. In 2008, very interesting time to start in finance, um, realized within a first few years that it wasn't for me and that more than anything else, I love to work with my hands. I was a maker, um, ended up leaving. I, I was a trader at Goldman Sachs, ended up leaving Goldman, went to culinary school. I had a made to order bakery. Um, I loved what I was doing. And then life always changes. There's things that like surprise you. They change you. Something very unexpected happened that brought me back. I was living abroad, brought me back to New York City in 2015. So my sister-in-law, she saw me putting on lotion one day. I'm very fair. I get sunburned very easily. I was putting on lotion. Um, (laughs) 
she was so blunt. She just came over, ripped it out of my hand and was like, what are you putting on your skin? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm putting on lotion. And she's like, do you know what is in that bottle? And I had never, I had never really given that much thought. No, I, I didn't know what was in that bottle. And she, she kind of went off and then she pulled something out of her cabinet. She went and she brought me back a little jar and inside there were many pieces of raw cocoa butter. Um, I always loved cocoa butter lotions growing up. And so she's like, here, rub this on your skin. It's going to take a while to, you know, work in because it's, it's in its natural state and cocoa butter is like a rock hard solid in its natural state, but it's going to be great. And you really need to spend some time with yourself. And the deeper meaning of that, we'll get to that later, went right over my head at the time. But I took the cocoa butter and I worked it into my skin. And overnight, the results were just incredible. And so it was really fascinating to me. But as I mentioned, it was difficult to apply. This is when like the pastry chef in me came alive. As I mentioned, I just come back to New York City. I wasn't full-time working yet. I love to make recipes. I also have a, a really long history and training of working with chocolate. And so I took the cocoa butter into the kitchen and I thought, if I play with this, it, pretend I'm making a ganache, which is basically, you know, like a soft chocolate filling. Um, what can I do to enhance that application process? And I think that's really what sets us apart, Priya. Like I am by no means the person who invented a solid moisturizer. Cocoa butter, it's incredible. Like I've loved it my whole life. It's, it's one of the best things you can put on your body. Um, but the way I'm working with the ingredients is what makes the body stone so different. So when I melt it down, the cocoa butter, I don't just melt it down and then throw it into the freezer. Like I melted it down. I, I added in my favorite base oils. I thought, can I inject more oil into the solid butter so that when I touch it to my skin, it glides on, it melts more easily. I didn't want anything that would like rub or tug on my skin or that would take a long, long time. Um, and I think that's where my, my pastry background has really been so valuable and what is so unique about our brand. Uh, it's also why we are in our body stone. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but why we only have five core ingredients and what makes our solid so different. So it's, it's cocoa butter and four oils. And we don't have to add anything like a beeswax or a shea butter or other ingredients that are very common in, in beauty. And for me personally, I just don't like them because they rub and tug on my skin, but they're, they're really easy to work with. You can melt, freeze. They're not as delicate. We, we work with cocoa butter and all of our ingredients through a food lens. I monitor the temperature throughout and we get this product that's super, super simple. The process of making it is, is really like an artisanal process. And because we've stuck and, and worked with the ingredients in, in the best way possible, the body stone just glides on your skin. It melts on contact and it goes on like silk. Kate, this is so interesting to me because I feel like this is such a happenstance like life will take you in different directions kind of story because first you were a banker, then you were a baker, then 
you know, you, you took that background of being a baker to apply it to beauty. And I don't think that at the time there were any sort of moisturizers that were kind of like in soap or solid form. Like they were much more whipped or in the bottle or they were much more in a container. You know, when did you kind of realize that this wasn't just like a fun thing and this is something I was doing at home for myself and thought, hey, this could be a business? That's a really good question. (laughs) It didn't hit me that way. What hit me was that this was something that was becoming deeply meaningful to me. So number one, my skin was in great shape, especially in like the summer. I mean, like my legs were always like shining. My heels were soft. Like it was working. Like the product works. But what what was really drawing me back to continually making more batches of this in my kitchen was that, you know, I was just, I was not in a good place. Um, I just had a big life change. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. You know, New York is amazing and there's so many people. It's also really, really easy to be lonely and anonymous in New York. Um, And some days I just did not want to leave the apartment. And uh, I have a history. um, I actually have a history with eating disorders and some things like trigger that. And like that was coming up for me. And what I found was that if I put this mixture, it wasn't the body stone yet. If I took just a moment to, I used to pour it into mason jars, dig it out with a wooden spoon, form it into a ball and slap and like rub it all over my skin. And if I took that moment to put my hands on my body the night before I went to bed, or maybe the first thing I did when I woke up in the morning, that brief, brief moment of connection with myself, that fueled my desire to want to get out of the apartment and go connect with others. It was like this first positive step in, and it was like a pinwheel, you know? And once you start going in that positive or an upward cycle, you can just get whipped up. And it, it, it kept bringing better and better things into my life. And I started to realize what my sister-in-law meant when she said, you need to spend some time with yourself. And so it became something that I wanted to share. And the real story of how I started selling them, you know, I I mentioned I was a baker abroad and when I came back to New York, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I had been introduced to actually a random, like one of the managers of the, of the WeWork. And I was actually doing like, uh, playing around with different cookie recipes. And, uh, he introduced me to other WeWork managers and I was having bake sales in different WeWorks. And I was really friendly with one of the managers. And finally I was like, Hey, you know, bake sales are great, but would you let me do an oils workshop? Um, it was one right by Union Square. And he was like, yes. And I'm like, awesome. Let's do it. And I did this whole oil workshop and I taught people about the difference between base oils and essential oils because I had just become really interested in it at this point. And then at the end, I actually brought the first version of the stone. And I was like, but if you really want to know what I'm putting on my body, this is what I'm putting on. And I wanted to see if anyone would buy it. And people started buying it. And I was like, huh, that's, And they liked it. And that's really where it first got going. And yeah. At the time when you sold those first stones, I believe this was in 2018, right? 2017, 2018. Is that right, Kate? 
this was even before that. This was when I was still like literally just playing around in my apartment. This probably dates back to like 2016, maybe even late 2015. But yeah. Did the brand have a name back then? Because you officially launched in 2018. Did you think that this was going to be your your namesake brand? Um, no, I did not. No, the brand did not have a name. And no, I did not think it was going to come under Kate McLeod. Um, so yeah, so I, I started with these like little oil workshops, which led me eventually, it just kept iterating and iterating. It had become a really deep and meaningful practice to me. One of the first times I really shared it with people was when my husband and I got married. I made the stones as a part of the goodie bag for our wedding. Um, everyone loved it. And then you're right towards 2018, I, um, I walked into a store in downtown New York and, uh, wanted to see if they'd be interested in selling the stone. It was Onda Beauty. Um, and they were incredibly supportive. They took 20 stones and we sold them in a day. They took 40 more that weekend and we sold them that weekend. And they were, no Priya, I had no label on the canister. I had just gotten the canisters. Up until that point, I was literally wrapping them in parchment paper from my kitchen. Like things, things came about very organically. I had to develop a label after I had it on a store shelf. The reason I ask, Kate, is because, I mean, for our listeners who may not know, I definitely know this story. Um, your, your story, the story that kind of brought you back to New York is with one with your husband, Justin McLeod, who is the founder of Hinge and is also one of the best modern love stories that I've ever read in the New York Times. It then became part of the series, correct? It did. Priya, actually, uh, we're extras in that show. We found out the, the morning, the last day it was taping, that it was going on in Gowanus. I was literally about to launch the brand. And I remember I actually showed up at our office in Brooklyn and I looked at my co-founder and I'm like, I know we have a lot of work to do today. Uh, I have to go and I have to jump in a, in a Uber and go and like see, because they're literally filming my story. I've got to go like see what's going on. Um, and yeah, I, I walked onto a set that day and found out that Dev Patel was playing my husband and we, we, and he was so great and he like dragged us in and we were, we were extras in one of the final scenes. Kate, what I think is so interesting about the story is obviously your story with your husband and leaving your ex-boyfriend to get back with your ex-ex-boyfriend who then became your husband yeah. and <laughs> Justin is an incredible story. But, you know, you know, in the world of beauty and wellness, I feel like there's so many people out there that is trying to catapult their celebrity or influence as an influencer and become a brand. And I feel like your st when you were deciding on your brand being Kate McLeod, I'm wondering did you ever think of that? Because I feel like when I was researching your brand and getting to know your brand, I was not able to put, connect the dots easily. Like I was able to figure it out. I don't know if your customers know that you're this person. You're really flattering me. <laughs> no, I don't think a lot of people know. So I can back up and just give a quick for anyone who doesn't know the story. You know, I fell madly in love with my husband in college and he just broke up with me. And we, we had a lot of growing up to do. I even transferred colleges to get away from him. I started at Colgate. I ended up at Wellesley. I was like, done with men. Um, uh, went to an all-girls school. Um, we were apart 
for eight years. During that time, we had um, one phone conversation uh, four years into the break. And he was like, I would love to see you. And I still thought of him all the time, but I really didn't trust him. And so I said, no. Um, he started Hinge about a month later. Um, and so I do like to say I'm the muse for Hinge um, because we didn't get back together. And and then in 2015, this is what the unexpected thing that brought me back to New York. He sent me, he was sending me emails like once a year on my birthday and I really didn't respond. I wasn't, I didn't just have a boyfriend, Priya. I was with someone else for seven years and had been engaged for two of them. And we were about to get married. And he sent me one final email and said, I am coming over to London. He was launching Hinge. I can't believe I'm never going to see you again. Just give me 10 minutes, meet me for coffee. And I just had this moment and I knew before I moved forward out of fairness to everyone involved, like I had to have that conversation. Um, I told him I didn't live in London. I told him I lived in Zurich. I told him I could speak to him that Friday. Uh, my ex was actually traveling. I woke up that morning. It was February in Zurich. I mean, I literally put on cozy pajamas. I was, I was so excited. I feel like a little, like I, but I was, I was so excited. I knew something was still alive for me. I put on cozy pajamas, poured a cup of hot chocolate. I am a chocoholic through and through. Um, downloaded my favorite rom-coms and texted him and said, I'm ready to chat when you are and expected there to be a long time difference. And he immediately wrote back, I'm here. I said, what do you mean you're here? And he said, I just landed. Tell me where I'm going. And he was like, it's been, it was two weeks shy of eight years to the day since we had last seen each other. And he was like, you were going to change your mind about having a conversation. We need to have this conversation. I'm here. Tell me where I'm going. And we, um, uh, you know, there's, there's this moment that I will never forget in my life. Uh, I told him to meet me at this cafe and this cafe had like a mezzanine level and I was sitting up top and it was very like cinematically flurrying outside. And I looked across the street and there he was. And I will never get that image out of my head. And he came up and he walked over to me and he hugged me. And I actually had to ask him like, whoa, like that's so intense. Like you need to, like, it was just, it was so, the energy was still, it was still there. Um, and yeah, a week later I was on a plane landing in JFK. All of my stuff was going into storage. I moved into his studio apartment in the West Village with four suitcases. And yeah, it was a big life change. And <laughs> so it was, it was a lot. Um, in terms of naming the brand and tapping into that, n no, it, it, it didn't. The brand is named Kate McLeod because it's such a part of my journey. It really is like everything that's gone into this is, it, it, there's so many wacky steps along the way that made all of this happen. Like uh, the, the bamboo, um, even the, the shape of the stone 
it's just my quirkiness that made all of this happen. Like I found a silicon mold manufacturer in Long Island City. I showed up with a chunk of clay in my hand from Michaels. Like we worked together. Like that. Like there was no professional like three D printing or molding. Like I was working with like a sculpt, just some random sculptor I found. Like the bamboo was from my kitchen. I was like, oh, that's a spice canister. Like there were so many parts, and and it got started, and I didn't know what to call it, and so. But in, in many ways, it's no longer me. It's it's become bigger than me, especially as our team has grown. But at that first founding moment, it was me. And this was my practice. And it's still the practice I'm so honored to share. And that's why it's Kate McLeod. We'll be right back after this message. What is it like being a founder of this brand now? Because, I mean, obviously... The brand has grown. It's been about four years officially being a big brand. Um, you know, you have this following. I believe you and Justin do have this following because of the show and because of this modern love story. But, you know, are people asking you to be more forward facing? You know, you just went into Sephora. You know, everybody wants to be a founder today. Like, what's that like for you now? Because the brand is bigger than your initial story. It's fun. And it's a growth opportunity. It's incredible to see where it has gone. And it is, um, I have a co-founder who is very much my partner. It is incredible to see, you know, not just my growth, but her growth. Um, It's incredible to see our team's growth. It's really, really magical to follow our customers' journeys you know, we can, we can get into this, but like the stone is more than a moisturizer. And for me, it's my self-care practice, but I've had so many beautiful, beautiful emails shared, um, of it, of it bringing people closer together, of it being used to calm down children, of it, of it being used on someone who's extremely sick and ill and bringing like a moment of just care and relief. Um, I'm incredibly honored to be on this journey and on this ride. And it is a ride. It's a journey. And I think whenever someone tells me they want to found something, I'm like, do you really? <laughs> because it is such a roller coaster ride. And I think Hinge is an amazing example of that. Oh my God, that has been such a roller coaster ride. Um, I am so blessed to have had that experience in my own home because I've seen all these ups and downs, but it is wild. Um but so is life. And yeah, it's just really been a true growth opportunity. And I've lo- I'm just honored to be here. Tell me a little bit about the growth of the brand because, you know, you're not just making 40 units and 40 products to sell at Ona Beauty in downtown New York anymore. You're in Sephora, you have a robust DTC business, and you have a much bigger team. How has that all kind of played out for you? <gasps> Thank God I'm no longer just, you know, making 40 in my kitchen. And I, honestly, Priya, I made the first six to 7,000 of them myself, hand pouring. Um, oh, I am so happy. I love my team so much that I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so it started at my kitchen table, really quite literally. Um, and the first shop happened, um, an actress picked it up. She was about to do her top shelf interview with Into the Gloss and she put it in her top shelf interview. And what was incredible at that moment was how much or just 
the amount of people that picked it out of the top shelf interview and were like, ooh, what's that? And all of a sudden, I just had a very simple like Squarespace site up. And I was like, wow, what happened? I didn't even know it had been put on, on Into the Glass. Um, I was getting hundreds of orders. That was both exciting and a nightmare because it was still in my kitchen. I fulfilled them all and I was like, okay, I got to take a beat. And that is when I joined with my co-founder. We are introduced through a mutual friend. She is has a you know consulting business background. Was looking for someone specifically like as, as a creative, and we are just we're such an we're so so opposite, and that's why we just have this um, amazing energy, this like alchemy between us that just it works. Uh, so we got out of my house. We took a space in Brooklyn. Uh, we set up our first workshop. And I think our real launch moment was holiday of 2018. And we were we were on the Goop holiday gift guide. Um, and, and then we just started growing it from there. We were in lots of small boutiques. One of the last things uh, that I did prior to the pandemic was go to a beauty conference. Um, and I knew that the QVC team was going to be there. And I was like hunting down the QVC team and the, the, the buyer, a gentleman was there and the, there was a group of women that came by and I was like, you know, is this my man here? And they're like, yes. And I was like, I mean, bluntly, I said, tell him I want to put some butter on his body and get him over here. (laughs) And he came over and I gave him my pitch, Priya. And I was like, very like energetic and in it. And he just was stone faced. And at the end of it, I was like, so, and he was like, so I said, so I think we would be an amazing fit for QVC. We are different. Like no one is doing this on your platform right now. I think, I think that your customer, I think she'll respond to this. And he said, I think so too. And he gave me an email address. And right as the pandemic started, we got our first purchase order from QVC. And so I said, we moved up to the Hudson Valley during the pandemic. We were literally in the process of looking for a bigger space. Because if you saw where my first workshop was, there was no freight elevator. I mean, I had no pallet jack. I had no like forklift. We literally do orders now where we have like 70 pallets coming out of our workshop onto like an 18 wheeler. And I was like very much still in like an office building in Dumbo. So we were looking for a bigger space. Um, I came up here at the start of the pandemic and I found a space in a building very, very fittingly called the Chocolate Factory. And it is actually an old chocolate factory in Red Hook, New York, not not Red Hook, Brooklyn, Red Hook Upstate. Um, And there we really had the space to grow. So we started working with QVC. More recently, as you mentioned, this past April, we launched in Sephora. Um, That was an incredible moment for for me personally, for the whole brand as a whole, uh, you know, I was on maternity leave and to, to look at your daughter who's like six weeks old and be like, Hey, we're launching in Sephora today. Like we started something at our kitchen table and we brought it here. Like I'm going to get emotional, but that was, that was such a moment for me. Um, I'm just so honored. Okay. Early on, you really did get the approval of so many of these tastemakers at 
whether you, whether you're talking about Goop or Into the Gloss with Naomi Watts, who started Own No Beauty, you know, all of these really curated, amazing, amazing places to sell and be featured. But when you're talking about QVC, and then again, we'll talk about this more in depth with Sephora since that just happened, you know, this is big time. This is like big, big business. And, you know, QVC, I know personally, like, you know, if a product or a brand doesn't sell, they don't bring them back. You own all that inventory. So, I mean, how much do you think that your story really affected um, and was compelling to those buyers, whether it be QVC or now with Sephora and, and them really getting it? to then bring it to their audience and to bring it to their bigger consumers? Especially with QVC, I think the story is important. Um, I, you know, it was the pandemic. So my first, like, I don't know, eight or nine times now on QVC have all been virtual. I've been like Skyped in. Uh, I get Skyped in from our workshop. I literally set up my own little like studio and my dad helped me build the background. And like, I'm there literally where the stones are made. And I get to tell people, these are the ingredients that are inside. I make them right here. This was really meaningful to me. This is different. It not only works, like number one, that is the top thing. If you use it, it you will have great skin. Like that, the ingredients are amazing. I really can't take credit for that. That's mother nature. Um, I talked to them about the sustainability, which we haven't gotten into yet, but I'd love to dive into. And, and I tell them, you know, this is more than a moisturizer. This really brought an amazing, it's powerful. It brought such healing to my life. Just that moment of connection, just those moments of self-care. Um, and I do think that resonates. We have been really lucky. Uh, I have yet to go on QVC on air, knock on wood, where I have not sold out. Um, and it's been, that's been really, really incredible. They have been a great, a great partner to us. Do you think that the fact that you launched this product and launched with QVC in this time where so many people were craving self-care and really rethinking their rituals during the pandemic really helped, you know, boost the brand at this time. Totally. I totally do. You know, I, I said in the beginning, when things flow, they flow. And sometimes I, sometimes I just like say a little prayer to my sister-in-law who I think is like still like up there, you know, looking over us. And I'm like, you knew, you knew this was all happening. Like you planted this seed and no, I, I definitely think that's a part of it. Um, I also think that, or I know we have a very small team and we work very, very hard. Um, and so I think it is a combination of both luck, right time, right place, and passion and drive. We, it is so important to us that the product continually gets better. What can we do? How can we make ourselves, you know, in the beginning, everything really came, found inspiration from my kitchen. So uh, the bamboo canister, the linen that wraps the stone, bamboo, much more sustainable than, than plastic. Um, 
uh, the, the linen that wraps the stone, that's compostable. The fact that it's waterless, that was all from like my pastry background, all of that. And, and locally made, like locally made alone cuts our carbon emissions by 50%. The fact that it's waterless, I think the exact number was like 52% cutting of carbon emissions, but how can we be even better? We're constantly looking for like, how can we use more things that are local? Where can we, you know, how can we enhance? this experience for our customer. Kate, your brand is first and foremost a beauty brand. Obviously, you sell moisturizers. They're applied on your face and your body. You're now sold in the biggest beauty retailer or one of the biggest beauty retailers in the U.S., but you also have this promising sustainable ethos. And I think that comes from your background as a baker. But how do you kind of toe the line in marketing and communications with, with consumers that, hey, we're this beautiful product, but we also have all these great things that are good for you. Because I think some consumers care more about one thing versus the other. And the sustainability conversation can be difficult to simply explain to the customer. So we launched into Sephora's Clean Plus Planet Positive program. Um, we are climate neutral certified. We're made safe certified. We're part of 1% for the planet. Um, but stepping, stepping back a moment, you know, everything... How do we present this to the customer? <laughs> Everything in the beginning, I didn't set out. I didn't even set out to make a product. I didn't set out at first with like sustainability as my, as my, as my goal. I, again, going back to why it's named Kate McLeod, like I just did things that felt good to me, that felt beautiful and felt right. So the product is waterless because that was my background. That's, you know, what I knew how to do and, and where I could bring magic to it. Now, as we continue to grow, I love the fact that we're waterless. I've really educated myself as to the benefits for our planet about that. And so I want that to stay one of our pillars. Um, our packaging didn't include plastic. I don't like having plastic in my kitchen. So plastic just wasn't an option for me. Um, and now I, I love that. And we're con 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 continually trying to, how can we do this like more locally? How can we continue in our like plastic-free initiatives? So first and foremost, when we poll our customers, what they care about is does this work? And they love it. And our customers are our cheerleaders. I, I don't always read our reviews because I don't have the thickest skin. And sometimes I'm afraid I'm going to see something that like stings, but it's important for me to read them. And I recently went on and I mean, frankly, I was like, these are incredible. They almost sound fake. Um, this is so great. Uh, but the product works. That is it. That is what is most important to our customers. And that is what is when you order it in the mail, like that's, that's the first thing that seems to like jump out at people. Um, but the fact that it is sustainable is such a part of it because it's literally integrated into its very form factor. This is not a bottle of lotion that has like a drop in you know, refill and you're still buying one plastic case or you're still using like a plastic pump or something like that. Like literally the fact, the form factor of the product that it is a waterless solid, the sustainability 
is, is in its very existence. It's in how it is formulated. Um, so they're, you can tease them apart when talking about them, but truly you can't, it's all, it's all blended together. You know, cocoa butter lotions on average contain around like two to 3% cocoa butter and the rest has, you know, the number one ingredient in a lot of lotions is water and then alcohol and other fillers. We are over 80% pure cocoa butter and the rest just for a blend of four nourishing oils plus essential oils for scent. That is 100% plant-based nourishment for your skin. So they're just, I'm sorry, I think I'm doing a bad job answering this, Priya. It's just they're all, they're all mixed together. What's it been like being in Sephora? Because obviously it's a major retailer. You're still a pretty young brand. You're bringing a young and new concept to beauty, both in the form of the product and the form of moisturizers, but also that it's sustainable and waterless and the package is compostable. What's it like? Because, I mean, you are kind of retraining the customer and retraining them how they think about beauty. But, you know, you're playing with some of the most competitive brands and you're sitting next to some of the most competitive brands in beauty. Has it been intimidating? Has it been competitive? Has it been, what has it been like? I love being in Sephora. I love it because I think it's such a chance to learn and grow and see how this person's doing it and think like, oh, how, what is, what does Kate McLeod look like on Sephora? And to meet a different customer, you know, from the very beginning, Priya, I, so I love to talk to people. Um, when I, whenever I was in Manhattan and I had to, I lived in Brooklyn when I started this, um, I would actually hop in an Uber pool and I would challenge myself. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sell at least one stone before I get home. Um, and I would strike up random conversations in the back of an Uber pool and I would sell a stone. When we first got going, the first two Christmases, I took a booth at the Columbus Circle Christmas Market. And I met people from all over the country. And I spoke to them and I watched their face and I saw what resonated, what didn't, what was confusing, what was like their aha moment of, oh, I got it and I'll, I'll buy this or I won't. Um, I met all different types of people. I mean, Amy Adams bought a stone at the Columbus Circle Christmas Market. I was a little... There was, there was a, there was a child who was so interested and they were like, I got to go get my mom. And I'm like, go get your mom. Gucci Westman comes around the corner is this child's mom. I mean, you just, you meet everyone. And, and I feel like Sephora, as we grow, is another chance to meet all these people and to collect their feedback and for us to continue growing. It's this way of challenging yourself and you know, one of the things I really learned from watching my husband at, with Hinge, Hinge started growing when they stopped chasing Tinder. When Hinge looked inward and we're like, forget it. We're not a swiping app. We don't want to be a swiping app. We don't even like what we're becoming. And we'll never, you know, we're not, we're not Tinder. So stop trying to be Tinder. And when they took a look inside and now, you know, everyone knows you can engage with content on Hinge. That is when the true growth 
and their like their moment, their identity was born. And so I don't really um, I don't really have a lot of interest in com- competing with a ton of the people on Sephora. I love looking at what everyone's doing. I love learning. And then I love listening to our customers and having, you know, bringing my team together and being like, okay, how can we best serve our customer? What can we do? How can we continually challenge ourselves to become more us? As I said, when we started, the brand was very much me. That's not the case anymore. It's taken on a whole new life. How can we, where do we see it going? And how can we give the, how can we continue to grow the brand the best way we can? So Kate, looking forward, I mean, how would you describe growth for the brand? How would you describe your ambitions and and your goals? Because so much of this has been very organic and so much of this has been very much you and where you feel like the right place, right time. So what does that look like? We have had an absolutely incredible past few years and knock on wood, it still looks like it's, you know, it's going. Um, we did in truly 2021, we like quadrupled what we did in 2020 and we're set to double again this year. Um, so it's, I'm really, I'm really grateful and thankful. Um, constantly thinking about what is next. As I said, in the very beginning, I am a maker. I make things that I love. I have many things that I would love to put into the market. I have many things that I would love to share with our customers, but it is a dialogue. And it's, I think our slow and steady growth, that is why we've been able to bootstrap this company. It is why, it is. It has also taught us so many important lessons. Um, I am very lucky because of my husband. I know a lot of other founders and uh, one of the Bombas founders, Dave Heath sat me down in the very beginning. And I remember he was like, do not hire a marketer. This was when we were just starting. He was like, because you don't know how to market and you need to know, you don't have to be a pro at it, but you need to know how to do that job before you hire for it. And we've really just started building a marketing team. And it was Nicola, my co-founder and I, who, who did it up until then. Um, so when you talk about growth, yes, it's been organic. Yes. It's starting to pick up and like swing, but I still think we'll always keep it. You know, what's, what's the next step. I have given pushback to some of our bigger retailers. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's amazing that you want us to do maybe this many shows or do that. But I, I want to make sure we're ready for it. Is it difficult pacing yourself, though? I want to give my honest answer to that. Um, Please do. Please do. <laughs> is it difficult to pace? Yes and no. Thing, It's so exciting where this is going. And I'm an avid daydreamer. And so my, my dreams get carried away. But I also think there are a lot of cautionary tales out there of, of companies that grew too fast. And I didn't start this to start a startup. I didn't start this with like, I'm going to start a beauty brand. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to have my exit in like five to six years for like a liquidity event. Like, you know, that's not, this is my self-care practice at the end of the day. And so um, I want to keep that heart and soul in the brand. And I like, I like the pace at which we're moving. 
Kate, it's so great to have you here today. And I just have to say that, you know, we hear a lot of founders out there saying they want to launch this brand, they want to exit, they want to get this investment, they want to move quickly. And it's so nice to hear someone being willing to take the time to do something and do it right. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Bria. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.